Well, hey, you guys. Welcome back to Tomes of Terror, my little book review series that I do on here. So today we're talking about a New Hampshire-based author named John, it's either Durgin or Durgan, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it's Durgin, but, um, you know, I'm not sure. So I apologize if I got it wrong. Now, this guy, apparently a very, very new face on the horror scene. I guess he co-founded uh, Livid Comics uh, two years ago, back in 2020. And his first published thing was like a Christmas horror comic series, which was called Yule, which is spelled like J-O-L, uh, at around that same time. Now, according to his biography, he was a big fan of Stephen King, and kind of his big uh, ambition was to be a horror writer, horror novelist. So he actually did end up fulfilling this dream in the summer of 2022 when he self-published his debut novel, which is called The Cursed Among Us. Uh, and I actually stumbled across it while I was browsing through Kindle Unlimited. Like I said, it's my Kindle Unlimited roulette. Now, the story of The Cursed Among Us is uh, pretty clearly influenced by Stephen King's It. I mean, he even makes a reference to like a character reading it at some point in there. Uh, got Also caught a little bit of maybe Robert McCammon's Boy's Life um, maybe, and maybe like a dash of Stranger Things. Actually, there are two alternate covers um, and one of the covers that I saw later on, you can tell that it's very much influenced by Stranger Things. Like they're trying to get like it has the same font and like it has kind of like an 80s retro throwback. So there's that kind of thing too. Um, but I mean, just in the sense that it centers around a group of teenagers who are forced to contend with this like, you know, supernatural thing, like this supernatural monster thing, like being unleashed in their like very small town. Now, also, there's an element of conspiracy to it, I guess, too, because as the story goes on, you discover that all the adults in town, like their parents or teachers, stuff like that, you know, the cops, they have uh, many terrible secrets of their own and might know more about the unfolding events, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the supernatural thing than they had previously led their children to believe. So, gonna say, this was a fairly solid uh, debut novel. It had a handful of sympathetic characters and a really, like, action-packed narrative that hardly let up for a second. I mean, seriously, I had actually um, planned to do another book this week, but I, I switched this one and that one because this one was, like, a little bit shorter than the other one because I, you know, was kind of under a time crunch, so I wanted something a little bit shorter. And I actually ended up reading this one. It only took me, like, maybe two or three hours, like, to read the whole thing because it just, like, kept going. It was relentless. But but I will say that I did have some major issues in regards to the pacing a little bit, um, mostly like the writing style, uh, particularly the dialogue. Uh, I'll get more into that like in a little bit. So at the beginning of the novel, there's kind of like a prologue and it's 1980 and there's a guy named Henry Black and he's, I mean, the story jumps right in. He's like dragging a woman out into the middle of the woods to bury her in a place where no one will ever find her. Now, while she's still, she's still alive, but I guess Henry has, like, knocked her unconscious and, like, tied her all up so that she can't escape. So he's dug a hole, he tosses her in there, and she seems to, like, wake up momentarily, but then Henry, like, hits her with a shovel or something like that, and then presumably proceeds to, like, bury her alive. So from the general vibe of this brief opening, we are led to believe <clears throat> that Henry... Black is a serial killer who has murdered numerous people before this, uh, that the woman that he buried was his wife, and that he believed that his wife had been the one telling him to commit his prior atrocities. So that's kind of like 
how it's introduced, you know what I mean? And it's not quite that, but it's like, you know, that's how they introduce the story. So we then jump ahead into the bulk of the narrative, which is set in 1999. So uh, it's set in a town of 6,000 people called Newport, New Hampshire. I'm not sure if that's a real town or not. Uh, where nothing much exciting ever happens. It's just kind of like one of those nights. There's no nightclubs or anything like that. It's just kind of like, oh, it's the 90s. The kids go out bowling or they, you know, get pizzas or rent movies on Friday nights. It's that kind of place. Um, now, people still talk about these murders, the Henry Black murders that happened 20 years ago, of course, uh, especially because they were even featured on Unsolved Mysteries at one point, which is kind of like a, a plot thing that comes up like several times. Now, technically, I will say the case was solved uh, because the killer was ostensibly Henry Black and he was found guilty and he was put in jail and he died in jail. But there were kind of like some odd details about the crime that nobody could quite figure out. Like there were some occult connotations or like some of the crime scenes and the fact that the killer appeared to have ripped the victim's hearts right out their chest, like with his bare hands, which seems a little bit of an implausible thing for like a human killer to be doing. So since then, um, all the adults in town have this really hard and fast rule that none of the kids in Newport should ever set foot in like these thick woods that surround the town where most of the killer's victims were dumped. And it's like, they tell them, it's like, look, that's, it's a bad place. It's dangerous. You'll get lost. And it's like, there's kind of like a spooky kind of thing about it because that's where the murders took place. Uh, there's a very small police force in town. I think they say at one point that it's only five guys and they actually even have like stiff penalties, like fines, like if they catch you in there. But of course teenagers gonna teen uh and our four main protagonists who are ninth graders but they're about 14 years old uh and their names are howie Corey, ryan and todd they're actually in the woods one afternoon shooting footage for their latest low budget slasher movie they're all like really big horror nerds they didn't actually mean to wander into the forbidden area of the forest, but they were kind of like rushing to finish a couple of scenes before it got dark, like before they lost the light. And they kind of like lost track of where they were at. So while they were looking for the best place to shoot, uh, the boys actually stumble across this weird clearing deep in the woods that looks like nobody's been there for a really long time. And they find something that kind of looks like a grave site, like with all these weird black stones, like obsidian looking stones with weird symbols on them, like sort of peppering the top of this mound that they find. Now, one of the boys, Todd, who's kind of like the practical joker of the group, I guess, he's sort of fucking around with this purported grave site. But then, like, some spooky shit starts to happen, which I won't really spoil. And they think they see someone watching them from the trees. So they kind of get spooked and they hightail it of the fuck out of the woods. Now, the next day, Todd doesn't show up at school. And Corey tells the other boys that he actually had captured the whole incident in the woods on video because he had forgotten to push the stop button, like in, the, in his haste to escape, like he kind of dropped it. So it actually kind of filmed stuff from the ground. So he's like, you guys have to see like what's on this video. So he shows it to them and uh, what's on there like freaks them right the hell out because it was like some shit that, you know, because there was so much chaos going on and they didn't really see what was going on. And some of the stuff that, you know, they didn't see in reality, like turned up on video. Um, it kind of looks like some weird, like electrical charge, like went into Todd's body, like when he was sort of like touching the stones around the grave site. And then his face like went all weird and blank. And they said it also looked kind of like the trees behind them were kind of like moving or there was maybe something back there, like while they were all running away. 
So because Howie had read all about the so-called Blackheart killer murders, like from 1980, he remembered the detail that those previous crimes also had something to do with these weird, like, glassy black rocks with symbols on them. So he goes to the library, because 1999, y'all, to check it out. Now, during the course of this investigation, he finds this old newspaper clipping about the crimes, and it's there's a picture there of, like, one of the crime scenes, and it shows his favorite teacher at the school, uh, whose name is Mr. B, and he teaches the film class, and he's very clearly, like, in the crowd, like, surrounding the body. Now, this wouldn't be weird, except that Mr. B supposedly didn't move to Newport until, like, very, very recently. So what the fuck is he doing in this 20-year-old picture? So as the boys go to Mr. B and ask him about what's going on, it starts to come out that maybe something really fucked up might be going on in this town. And their fears are largely confirmed, one, by what Mr. B ends up telling them, and also when their friend Todd, like, he doesn't show up at school for several days, and then he starts acting really, really weird. So as, you know, and then, like, as things develop, uh, it becomes ever more obvious that the whole serial killer case, like, from 1980, is far more complicated than outsiders had been led to believe, let's put it like that, and that several of the adults in town were privy to what amounts to like a supernatural conspiracy again that's you know i'm trying not to spoil anything because this book is like really new so you know what i mean but that's about what i'll that's about as far as i'll go with that now as i mentioned uh this is actually like a pretty decent story it's you know not all that original but you know what is uh but it's still like very enjoyable overall uh the main characters are largely relatable especially howie Um, his perspective, we're usually following his perspective. Um, we jump around to some of the other ones, but we're mostly like, you know, following his POV. Um, you know, cause he, and he's kind of sympathetic cause he's again, like a horror nerd. He has a real shitty home life with an abusive dad. His his mom doesn't really play into it. She's there, but she doesn't really play into it all that much. Um, the other boys aren't quite as well sketched out. We do get to spend a little bit of time with Ryan, who is sort of like um, an overweight kid who has like really loving, like laid back, indulgent parents, but is relentlessly bullied at school and is kind of seen as like needy and try hard and like clingy by his friends. So there's kind of like some conflict there. Um, Todd is like less delineated. Um, you know, you don't get to know him all that well, like before bad shit starts to happen. Um, I mean, essentially, he's like, insecure kid who cracks jokes like to get attention and Corey, i kind of feel like was the least fleshed out like he's barely distinguished at all uh mr b is actually a good character we get a few scenes from his point of view as well which were actually like pretty welcome i you know i liked him as a character now as i mentioned also uh this book is like a fast read has like one action sequence coming fast on the next one and while this did keep the story moving along like at a really good clip it also at times felt a little bit too rushed and a little bit like under explained in places and the ending felt ever so slightly abrupt i mean there was something like a bit of a big like epic battle like with the big bad like the villain but it still seemed like it needed more like it needed more stuff filled in you know what i mean if that makes any sense i mean i also would have liked to have had 
more details about the whole like conspiracy angle like that the adults in town were in on like maybe some scenes more scenes like set back in 1980 would have helped because really the only one you get from 1980 is the one with Henry Black like dragging the woman and burying her um, or maybe like if barring that like maybe some more scenes of like the boys figuring out like more information like interviewing more people or something like that about what happened back then I think that would have really filled in and fleshed out kind of the history and the lore uh, in a more satisfying way of like this supernatural thing, this supernatural force that is unleashed. But honestly, I think the book's biggest flaw for me was this sort of like, I guess like rudimentary writing style. I mean, it read as like kind of like a tad simplistic, almost like it was geared toward younger readers, which it's not because there's like a lot of swearing and gore and stuff like that. So it's not a YA, but it kind of like reads a little bit like that. Um, of particular note, and I noticed that like some other reviewers noticed this as well, because I noticed this just like a few pages in, the guy, the author doesn't use a lot of contractions, like when maybe contractions would be, would make the prose like flow more naturally. It made everything read as like really stilted. Like there were contractions used like at relevant points, but a lot of the time, like both in the dialogue and in like the narrative bits, all the words were like spelled out. You know what I mean? I am sorry. I did not do this. We are doing this and that. I will do this and that. And it's like, it just seemed very weird. <laughs> it was, it almost kind of, it came across a little bit, like, I don't mean to be mean, but it came across a little bit like it was a school writing assignment that had to be a certain number of words. And like, they were trying to like pad it out. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? By using like two words instead of just the one contraction when the contraction would have sounded a lot more natural. And I think it was especially jarring, too, in the dialogue bits, because a lot of the dialogue was coming from, like, teenage boys, like, 14-year-old boys in the 1990s. And a teenage boy is not going to say, I am so sorry that we are doing this. Like, they don't talk like that. Like, and not if English is their first language. So it really did sound, like, very, very stilted and strange. And I'm just, like, questioning the decision of not using contractions all that often. It was just, like, a really weird decision. And, you know, because you know what a stickler I am for grammar. I'm one of those people. <laughs> there were like a bunch of grammatical errors. Uh, there were like some run-on sentences, which always drives me up the wall. And that seems to be something I encounter like a lot uh, in books nowadays. Um, and sentences where like necessary commas were left out, uh, which also kind of drives me crazy. Also, and this is another thing that's, I see this a lot too. Um, there was like a bunch of misplaced homophones if you know what I'm saying. Like, um, like at one point he used the word gauge, G-A-G-E, instead of the way that you're supposed to spell it, which was G-A-U-G-E. Um, there were two instances where vice, V-I-C-E, was used when he meant vice, like a vice that grips something, which is V-I-S-E. Um, there were also two in instances where he used discrete, D-I-S-C-R-E-T, instead of discrete, like on the down low, D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T, which is how you're supposed to spell that. Uh, there were also some more obvious ones, like he used creek, like a running creek, like C-R-E-E-K, when he meant creek, like a wood, like a, you know, floorboard creaking, C-R-E-A-K. There was also one point where he used peddled, P-E-D-D-L-E-D, -D -D, which means like selling something instead of pedaled a bicycle like p-e-d-a-l-e-d -D -E -D. um one time too he used brakes like something breaks instead of car brakes uh you know b-r-e-a-k-s instead of b-r-a-k-e-s and there was one instance too where he wanted to say 
know nothing like somebody that knows nothing k-n-o-w but he used know nothing like n-o nothing which i thought was like really odd now these were just the ones that i caught <laughs> so this definitely needed like another pass through with an editor like i realize i'm very very anal retentive but that homophone thing it really like i mean and that like i said there might have been more than that but those were just the ones that like immediately stood out to me so yeah this really definitely needed another pass through an editor like i understand that like a spell check isn't going to catch that because the words aren't spelled incorrectly you're just using them incorrectly you're using like a homophone you know what i mean and that's something that i see turn up a lot in books which is crazy there was also a thing where the story had this really weird habit of like introducing like a minor character, like the janitor at the high school, for example, or like the stoner guy who worked at the video store, and then giving them this sort of like elaborate backstory for a few paragraphs before they got horribly killed, like by the monster. Like I get that a horror story of this type like needs monster fodder, obviously. And to be fair, a lot of slasher movies try to do this kind of thing, like where they introduce and try to humanize a character, like just moments before they ultimately get bumped off in horrible ways. But it still comes across as like a little bit forced to kind of be introduced to the town drunk and read his like pitiful, you know, tale of woe that went on uh, before, just like just before he gets taken out. Like I did like that a lot of the message of the behind these vignettes was that, you know, oh, you can't judge people like, oh, you think the guy that's on the video story is just like this stoner guy, or you think the town drunk is just like this bomb or whatever. So it's nice to have like some backstory of like, oh, that's how he ended up in that situation. And he actually like is a good guy, but like bad circumstances. So I like that that was kind of like the, the running theme of those vignettes. But I do kind of wish that the characters had been, introduced earlier and like incorporated more into the overarching plot like before they got killed so you would actually have more time to get to know them rather than like hey i showed up here's my backstory and bam and then they were dead you know what i mean i just thought that was like a little bit yeah it, they just needed to be like incorporated a little bit more like in the beginning so you know on the whole uh this book had some problems but i think the story idea was like a solid uh story idea and i think kind of like maybe with more experience more polish stuff like that because like i said this is a very new author um i think that he will actually like produce some great stories down the line so you know i'll be on the lookout for whatever he does next and that'll do it for this tomes of terror hope to see you guys on the next one bye